Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Brandon Sanderson Disciples? This is Stephen, your host from Phantology Podcast, along with my lifelong friends, Ryan and Josh. And I'm really excited for this episode because I've been at Dragonstone.com the last two days and have been eagerly awaiting my opportunity to just like totally nerd out and, and uh, do an info dump of the whole experience. I thought it was awesome. Uh, spoiler alert. So I'm just going to kind of like rave about it, I guess, but uh, Ryan and Josh were not able to come, but I'm hoping that in the future you're able to. Anyway, um, I'm going to let you just both kind of ask questions and we'll we'll see. I think I'll probably just kind of rave about it for a while. Anyway, Ryan, you had an opening question, so let's hear it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm excited to hear about this because I'm kind of uh, going, I'm experiencing this vicariously through you. Um, but anyways, I, so you went to, uh, dragon steel was a two years ago. No. So last year they did a mini con, they called it a mini con. It was down in Provo, which is, if you're not familiar with Utah, it's, uh, probably 30, 40 minutes South, maybe like an hour South of Salt Lake, actually smaller college, uh, town. Anyway, that was just for Cytonic. And I honestly don't okay. know how Cosmere focused it was. I'm sure they had Cosmere stuff because that's what everyone likes to talk about, but it was smaller. And so this was the first year where they had like a full on con. Last year was okay. a mini con still kind of, I think it might've just been one day. I'm actually not sure. Maybe correct me if you were there, but uh, no, I have not. I've been to, I mean, we've been to other release things, all of us, but um, nothing to, nothing on this scale guys nothing on the scale before yeah i mean that was going to be my question was how how did this compare to the one you've been uh before and so i guess so that other one was more a release event for cytonic whereas this was just kind of a general celebration of yeah i think the cytonic one they did have some kind of con type of things but this was the first time they went really big with it they rented out the convention center in Salt Lake, which is a very big venue. This is where they have big tech conferences. It's like the venue if you're hosting a is convention Palace? in Utah at the Salt Palace. Uh-huh. And they sold over 6,000 tickets and it was, it was packed. There were a lot of people there and uh, I was, I was very impressed with it. And we, we also had members of our Phantology Discord who traveled to go there to, to dragon steel con yeah that was fun it's fun to kind of meet some internet friends that i have only chatted with before and uh i had a good experience doing that uh, met some random people as well it's fun because you show up at this uh convention for brandon sanderson and you can literally just talk to any person there and you know that you both have like a deep passionate common interest 
that is really easy to talk about. So like, I just felt this kinship with everyone there. It was, it was fun. It was a fun feeling. I, I do love when I like meet somebody new and like we, we both love to read epic fantasy and can bond over that at my new job that I started in the middle of July, I always try and bring that up. Like, Oh, I really like to read like epic, epic mm-hmm. fantasy, science fiction. Like, have you ever heard of Brandon Sanderson? And so far, nobody has, nobody's noticed or yeah. uh, nobody has heard of them. And so I'm always like slightly let down when, when they don't, but uh, so I, I definitely get that. It's like everybody is, is brought together with a common interest that we all love to talk about, but not, not everybody on the street is the same. I have, I have a coworker just kind of on this tangent continuing who shares an audible with her like brother or her brothers and her all share an audible and her brothers are all into Sanderson. So she's like read most of Sanderson, but she doesn't, she's not like super into it. Like whenever I try talking to her about things, she's like, Oh yeah, I, I guess I remember that happening. So it's, it's uh, kind of an interesting thing. Cause like, I'm super passionate about it and like love it. And she's like, Oh yeah, I remember reading about that, but like, doesn't really care and like didn't know that like, the last how are you so calm out. about this right now <laughs> yeah exactly so anyway it's just kind of funny yeah most of the people there are going to be obviously on on the passionate yeah. side if you're yeah, willing to for sure yeah to take off work or whatever and travel <sighs> i mean a lot of people from out of town it was in utah there's a lot of local utah people obviously but a lot of people traveled across the country um so were there a lot of cosplayers there oh yeah a lot of cosplay it was obviously, it was the Mistborn release. So there was probably maybe a little bit more Mistborn cosplay, lots of Mist cloaks. That's a pretty easy cosplay to do. So I think a lot of people went with that. There's some really cool inquisitors. There was one guy, especially who had the spikes through his eyes, out the back of his head. He was bald. He looked like an inquisitor. It was very impressive. I'm actually not even sure how he did it. It looked very realistic. <laughs> Must have had some kind of like lens that he was looking through. Was that the best costume you saw or cosplay? I guess should, I should say. Um, there were, there was, I mean, that was maybe the most dedicated one because it was influencing his eyesight the whole time, which I think was probably pretty challenging. Uh, there were other inquisitors there, or maybe just other like people with hemorrhagic spikes. I think there was maybe at least one or two other inquisitors that were not quite as cool as this guy. There were a lot of people in kind of like Stormlight Archive garb. I don't remember that, like the Havana, I think is the name of the, the woman's garb. Maybe if I'm getting that right, there was a lot of like um, Alethi uniforms. There were, there, there were several women dressed up in kind of like Marisi, Steris type outfits that were pretty cool. I'm trying to think if there's any other standouts. Yeah, I mean... There was a, there was a lot of cosplay. There was a cosplay uh, competition, and if you were in cosplay, people were getting uh, rewards a lot. So the way it works, I haven't been to a lot of cons, but they had this like internal coinage reward system. So if you were doing something like really, really cool, or you had cool cosplay, or you were doing some of the kind of side things that that were happening around, then the Dragon Steel staff was handing out coins which you could then redeem for prizes. Um, I, I didn't get that into it mostly because I just didn't really, I don't know, I, I guess I'm not an experienced con person or I, I, I didn't have enough uh, gumption to really 
uh, try to insert myself in that way. I was, I was more of an observer, I would say, but uh, there was a lot of really cool things. And I think if I, I mean, next time I go back, I want to try to get more on, on that side of things and really like go all the way in. It was kind of like, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Evermore. It's this theme park in Utah where they're, they have a similar type of thing. There's like a story that you can do and you can go around and talk to people and there's hidden things around, or you can just kind of like wander around and enjoy it. And I was more on like the wander around and enjoy it and go to the panels and, and participate in the things that were happening. But I, I wasn't quite on the like earn coins, get rewards type of thing. What were some of the rewards you could get? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Honestly, there was a really long line for the rewards. There was just so much going on all the time. I feel like I kind of missed that part of it. I know that there were, so there were broadsheets um, from each book, you know, there, there are the broadsheet pages and each book I think has four pages. So if you put them together, you'd obviously have like a whole newspaper. And so this they had Era printed out. Mistborn. Yeah. From Era to Mistborn. Yeah. So they had four of the printed out, like fully connected broadsheets. And I got two of them just from kind of like getting them handed out to me because the thing was winding down and they had a bunch of extras. But uh, I know if you got all four of them, you could flip it over and you'd have like a really big map of Ellendale. So the broadsheets were some of the rewards and I, I'm sure there was other cool stuff, but I just didn't have, I never had any coins. <laughs> so I didn't bother to wait in the really long line to redeem my coins that I didn't have for the cool things. So um, what were some of your favorite events that you went to within the convention? So I think my favorite one was the trivia, the, the trivia thing Figures. that went on for like, yeah, I like trivia. Everyone likes trivia. Um, <laughs> it went on for like a solid two hours. They had several different categories and there was probably like five to 600 people participating. And if you were in the top 50, then you got coins. If you were like, and if you won, you got a lot of coins, basically is how it worked. And uh, I never got top 50. The best I got was like 60 something in the Stormlight Archive category, which I know the best. And I, I would have got top 50 if I hadn't missed an easy question about which way the storms blow in Roshar. For some reason I hit, for some reason I hit west to east instead of east to west, which is... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I choked, I guess. That's impressive because I remember going for the Oathbringer release, they did a trivia and there are some very, in my opinion, like obscure questions and, you know, like things that I'm, I probably wouldn't even know if I had just finished a reread of the books, but people are, you know, getting like, I'm sure, I'm sure if people there are people that didn't miss a single question on that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, for as into Brandon Sanderson as we are, there is a whole, there's a whole nother level. And that was on display at the con, which is yeah. really nice to like, it's fun to see people that yeah. are that passionate. Cause I'm, I'm really passionate, but there are people who are just like way more and it's fun to see that. I feel like even if I wrote a book, like I still wouldn't know it as well as some of these people know yeah. Stormlight Archive. Well, that's kind of how Sanderson is. I feel like like he has the was is her name Karen? That's her his like continuity editor. Uh, yeah, Karen and is. Peter, yeah. I think. Yeah. So both. I mean, you figure they probably know more of those obscure things than he does at this point. Yeah, I mean Karen's the one that manages the internal wiki 
they there was a lot of Q&A there's a lot there were two different times for Q&A for Sanderson one was the spoiler one was the non-spoiler and there were a lot of pretty specific questions that were asked and he filled in them all I think he knows his books oh yeah yeah but for sure yeah no they the questions got very specific stuff that I mean a lot of times when the questions get that specific I just kind of roll my eyes and I'm like what is the point of this question like this will never be important but I don't know, maybe every now and then people hit on something. Yeah. I mean, I think people do like even leading up to the lost metal release, there were some people that were posting things that like would have sounded super obscure a few years ago, but are now like super mainstream in the Cosmere, you know? Mm. Well, I guess I, I, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for the lost metal, but if you, yeah, yeah, we still, yeah, we still shouldn't spoil lost metal because it is really recent and we're not going to. But I will say, having read Lost Metal going in, I felt like I had a little extra knowledge. And uh, when some topics came up that were important for Lost Metal, I was like, okay, like I, I know all about this. <laughs> were there any questions somebody asked Brandon that he said, read and find out that you knew the answer to? I think there was, there were, there were two. And I don't remember what they were, but they were specifically about the Lost Metal and or Brandon kind of like danced around it and he said like oh you'll see a little bit more of this in Lost Metal and I was thinking like oh yes you will (laughs) nice all right um so what was the nerdiest thing you saw at the convention Stephen like was there anything that happened and you're just like these are my people I mean you've kind of touched on this but anything that was just like even beyond what I would I don't know just like like you kind of mentioned the costumes being all out i guess that mm-hmm. would be a good example but like just maybe you like pass by this conversation they were like deep in you know deep in conversation about like some super obscure thing and just i don't know general things like that um i'm sure there were those moments honestly i was so into it that i was like okay i'll, I'll join right into the conversation you know like I, i'm here for that i think maybe some of the nerdiest things were so they had they had a big vendor exhibit hall and i'll tell you about that in a second but one side of it was just a bunch of board games and it was a big open space with a bunch of tables and so you could grab whatever game they had a ton of games you could just grab them and start playing them and for some reason i thought this was like the nerdiest thing there because i I don't know I, i don't know if i would really want to like sit down and play like i like board games but at the same time like playing a nerdy board game at the nerd Brandon Sanderson convention was just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it might be a I good way to like make friends. More. Yeah, for sure. To make friends. And, and I don't want to like bash on anyone who enjoyed playing board games, but um, I, I just felt like I was there to go to the con and do the panels and stuff. And, but yeah, if I had nothing to do um, or ha- had some downtime, because there were some hours where there wasn't, weren't as many panels that I was interested as interested in. And I didn't go for the entire time. I came late one of the days. So I could see myself getting kind of tired of it and wanting to just sit down and play games. So maybe I'll retract that. But for some reason, I thought it was very nerdy. Um, Did you see anybody dueling with shard blades? Yes. Yes. There was a big ring. Uh There was a ring where you could duel with shard blades. Maybe that's the nerdiest thing that I saw. (laughs) That's what I would think would be pretty, pretty nerdy is if mm-hmm. somebody was dueling with shard blades. 
But I mean, if I you had know a huge the, shard blade, I'd want to duel somebody too. You know the like the big foam shard blades that you can buy that they sell. Have you seen these? Um, is it on Brandon's website or someplace else? Yeah, uh, it's actually called Forged Foam. You, I'm sure you can get to it from Brandon's website. But they have Oathbringer, um, Maya. They have a Sil Spear. They have Nightblood. They might have one or two more swords that you can buy. And they had these for sale, as well as like uh, Bridge Forest Shields. And so people, a lot of people had these. And there was a ring where you could grab your sword and duel. Nice. Yeah, that, that sounds like it might be a little bit nerdier than board games. And by, uh-huh. and yeah, in yeah. This content, I'll go with that. I'm changing my answer. Nerdy board games is, are fine. And nerdy is like a compliment, right? Like this is, you want oh, to yeah. be nerdy at this yeah. convention. So please that's don't feel the, called that's out. That's the goal. Yeah. yeah, it's dedication. Yeah, passion. So in the vendor hall, they also had like real metal replicas of Nightblood and the Sil Spear that you could hold and take pictures with. And they had this little thing called the Hoyd Museum of Curiosities that you could go through that had some like little relics from the Cosmere. Like uh, there was like a Colas skin and some glass daggers and uh, maybe some other things, but I actually didn't go in because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to fit with my wheelchair and the line was super long. So I didn't want to wait in a long line. If I... Anyway, so yeah, I didn't go in, but I did see pictures of the stuff inside and it looked cool. It looked like it was wait- it was worth waiting in line for. I, I tuned into most of Sanderson's non-spoiler, like live, the one that was live streamed on YouTube. And yeah. he, he mentioned that he wanted to eventually create like a Cosmere museum. Um, okay. And yes, I thought that was super awesome. Thing. This is the announcement that I thought was the coolest thing from the entire con. And so I just happened to go to this one panel about Dragonsteel moving from Brandon's garage to what they called a village and they didn't they they were kind of coy about like what what does this mean a village right because they don't really have a village they just have warehouses but they are building what they're calling a village in two to five years and they didn't like yeah they didn't they this is not like publicly announced or brandon hasn't written anything about it he did talk about it in his uh live stream that you saw josh so i think it's fine if we talk about it, like they talked about it in the panel, it's not secret or anything, but they showed us a picture of uh, Isaac Stewart's drawing of what the village is supposed to look like. And they did ask us not to take pictures of that. So um, I don't have that, but I can tell you that it looked really cool. It looked like kind of a, an 1800s manor type thing. It was, it was based off the Biltmore estate, if you know what that is, in North Carolina. So it's going to be, it's going to look really cool. It's going to be the Dragonstill headquarters. They're going to have a store there. They're going to have like a little museum of stuff. Brandon mentioned that he wanted to put like his original outline for the Cosmere and the number one Elantris book that Dan Wells has. He wanted to put those things in the village and, and kind of like make it into an experience. So you go, you can buy stuff, you can hang out, you can get like little Cosmere things. Anyway, it sounds really cool. And they said it, they want to have it built in two to five years. So I think they're starting to get momentum towards it. It's hard to say when that will actually happen, but I'm really looking forward to going to the village. 
is this supposed to be in southern like uh kind of south of provo still it'll be around is that where they, like where, pleasant yeah. grove american fork where brandon lives and where the dragon still hq is now yeah okay so okay. right over it's right over kind of where i live <laughs> nice that's awesome i thought when you said a village it, he was like building a village for like his employees to like live in <laughs> like, like a campus <laughs> yeah it's like a like a, the brandon sanderson campus I'd, I'd start to get a little bit worried about that, at that yeah. point, huh? <laughs> the compound <laughs> there's the company town ran by brandon sanderson uh-huh i mean i'll be honest there were moments um in that in the live stream that you saw josh it felt a little bit like a cult there were probably 1500 to 2000 people all just like cheering for Brandon Sanderson going crazy. He was up there talking for two hours. Like there, you know, there was the lights and the music and everything. And there was probably some cold vibes, but I was there for it. (laughs) Um, what were some of like the, the booths that you saw? Like, were they, were they other authors? Yeah. So in the vendor hall, um, which was always really packed, but I mean, there was a lot of interest around there. So there was the museum thing, the Hoyd thing with the artifacts. There were a bunch of other authors, which was really cool because Brandon said that he wanted this. Part of what they wanted to do with the con was to promote other authors because authors go to cons but are often overshadowed when Henry Cavill shows up, right? Because no one really cares about the author when you have the actor. So this one, they tried to highlight other authors and they probably had like 10 or so other authors there. And honestly, I didn't recognize any of them other than Brian McClellan, but uh, they had a lot of traffic through there and they all sold a lot of books. And I thought, I'm, I'm sure it was a great thing for all these other authors. So I thought that was kind of cool how, you know, Brandon was trying to maybe pay it forward a little bit and, and help out some of his colleagues. I, I remember how Brandon... Uh, talked about in in the class that we took with him like um, kind of the traditional way of getting into like getting published was like going to conventions and like trying to like bring your manuscripts and like find agents there and like talking with agents and so um, maybe this is kind of his way of being like it would have been easier if there was more representation that I could have um could have gone to or had at a convention real quick going back to the the cultist vibes things i just thought it was funny i, I watched uh-huh. it <laughs> i watched the video yeah. um I, I, did you guys see like the mr beast like opened his uh, his burger joint at the mall yeah i did yeah, watch I, that uh-huh. sim- i don't know it's just kind of weird because it's just these people are celebrities in the way that we're not used to really celebrities being if that makes sense you know what i mean yeah. like i think i think if you had like um you know taylor swift like thousands of people cheering for taylor swift during a performance like you wouldn't think that was weird you know but um because it's not somebody mm-hmm. who typically would get these type of responses you know when it's someone saying. who's more of like seems more like a common man or woman of the people uh-huh. and is up there with the big following you're just like what the heck yeah yeah, versus when they're like, you know, a beautiful manufactured celebrity, it's kind of like, okay, uh-huh. we're, this is appropriate for everybody to be going crazy over it. But when it's just like a, like a kid from like the Midwest, you know, or like, well, I guess for both Sanderson and Mr. Beast, you know, it's like, you don't really expect that. Like, they're not particularly like, you know, 
it's I don't want to say they're like not good looking, but like it's not like they're like super they don't beautiful have the traditional yeah, vibes like, of being famous. Right, exactly. They're yeah. just kind of like famous mm-hmm. because they do cool things. And I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. that was just a, a tangent, but I thought it was applicable. Yeah. Were there any um notable booktubers or podcasters there that you saw? Daniel Green was there. Nice. Um, he was on three of the panels and I went to two of them. Um, I, I went to, so the first panel I went to was the Wheel of Time panel with Matt Hatch and Daniel Green and Jason Denzel, who's an author and also runs the Dragon Mount website. And uh, another lady that I actually wasn't sure who she was, but uh, they just talked about the upcoming season two and some things. And I thought that panel was really good. And I mean, obviously that's like what Matt has done for years is run panels and discussions like that. So it went really smooth and it was really entertaining the whole time. They they took questions. A lot of panels just took questions throughout and um, you know, th- there were some fun questions, some kind of goofy questions, but that panel was probably one of the highlights and compared to, so, so compared that panel to another panel that I didn't like as much, which was called the Cosmere Survival Guide, which was like, you're in the Cosmere and you're like, you are like, I, Stephen, am in the Cosmere. How do you survive? Right. And so they kind of like talked about, oh, these planets would be dangerous and here's what I would need. And then they just kind of took questions. So they had like five minutes, like literally like five minutes of material ready. And then they just answered questions. And and so Daniel Green was on this panel as well with a couple Dragon Still people, I think, and Lauren McCaffrey, McCaffney, McCaffrey, McCaffrey, who her and her husband do stuff with Tor. So the whole time Daniel Green was just like goofing around and like, he's funny, you know, he had some comedic appeal to things, but I just got the vibe that he was just kind of like covering for not knowing how to answer the deep questions with just making jokes the whole time. And it got a well, little old and I yeah, was just but, kind of, as you could expect though, I mean, that's probably going to happen, right? Well, like, I mean, that's fair. And like, honestly, I would probably do the same, same type thing. of thing. Yeah. I was going to say, this sounds like a YouTube video that we would put together for like one of our top things. It does. Things. It does, it does sound then, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then we but would. I, I guess I was expecting yeah. maybe a little more, pre, a little more preparation for this panel. But to be fair, you know, these, these guys like Daniel Green did three panels. So yeah. Yeah. But that panel was a little disappointing. I thought they, there was a lot more they could have done with that, but they just kind of winged it. That's fair. Fair. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So anything i'm trying to think of other things that i i was having fomo on i could tell you okay so a couple of things that i thought were interesting from the q a and just from some general comments was there was there were like two or three times where there was some speculation on okay adenosium is like the the power right um and there were some questions as to well is there like an oppositional force to adenosium and Brandon fielded this question and he mentioned, I want to say he mentioned this, or maybe it was in a different panel about the secret projects, but there was some discussion about the Aethers being older than Adenalsium and potentially not being tied to investiture in the same way that he was. And so they could be oppositional forces. And this one guy from the secret, I don't know who this guy was, but he had a lot to say and he was pretty smart. Um, but he was on the panel for the secret project discussion and he had this whole theory 
about how Adenalsium is not like the real God, like the aethers are kind of like really the things driving it. And Adenalsium is what kind are of the like aethers? the front for that. So the aethers are Brandon's, uh, from Brandon's book, Aether of Night. And they're from a different planet, hasn't been actually written. And they're going to be more and more a part of the Cosmere going forward, which was a comment that uh, Brandon made in the spoiler Q&A. And they predate Adonalsium. Okay, all right. They're um, kind of like primal powers, and he's changed the way that he... Originally, he wrote them with like, there's only four of them, and now he was talking about maybe having like 12 of them. Honestly, I don't know if he's really settled on exactly how they work yet. Okay, sorry. So he, this person was saying that Adonalsium wasn't like the real god, that the Aethers predated them. What else? Or Adonalsium was a god, but the Aethers had kind of like power that superseded him potentially like there's another form of power out there that we're not really familiar with because right now we're like okay we get it adenosium was shattered they all have like these shards are scattered around and each one of them has different power and that's how it all works but there might be this whole other thing with the aethers before him which yeah that theory is that theory occurs and yeah i don't want to spoil things but that discussion getting more discussion starts to happen yeah yeah brandon to quote brandon i mean it's it's coming out more and more and the aethers are going to be important pretty soon i also liked one of his quotes in the non-spoiler q a where he was talking about i think you watched this josh but he did he starts off his book releases with a little bit of a talk just about where he like some of his thoughts going into the release of whatever book it is and so with the lost metal, he talked about kind of the inception of era two and where it went and everything. And then uh, eventually he got into the topic of, okay, I've got the interconnected Cosmere and it's there, but it's kind of behind the scenes still. So at what point do I make it into like the big thing and just kind of roll with it? And he said, at this point, the gloves are off and the Cosmere is all fair game and books are really going to start crossing everything over. And he basically said, you know, he, he wanted to do this originally, but he knew he couldn't because it was maybe like too complicated. So he needed to build a following first. He couldn't just go straight for the super crazy connected thing, right? Because you kind of have to draw in an audience before you do this. But I think at this point, he's just like, I have 2000 people here at this convention that are, you know, paying money to hear me talk and release this book. And I'm, I feel pretty confident that, you know, I've got a following and this is going to go well. So I'm just going to go for it. I wonder, though, if that strategy kind of makes it like a much it makes it a bit harder to continue to get new readers, because if Brandon Sanderson comes out with like a brand new book and I'm like, wow, this is so good, then I can't immediately recommend that book to friends who don't know Brandon. I'm like, wow, this Sanderson book is so good but you need to read Mistborn and Stormlight Archive and Elantris and like all of these books before you would be able to really um, grasp this book fully. So, I mean, although he, like, I, I agree, he does have, he does have like a lot of momentum and a big following. Like, I mean, maybe this increases the learning curve significantly for newer books. So you're not really, I mean, it's, it's just hard to get new readers into those. I, th- I think it really depends. I see your point there. And I think you might be right in that. Um, two thoughts, though. One is that 
even just like reading the preview chapters on these secret projects, like it does still seem like he's still starting to like, he can still tell smaller scale stories, kind of like something like the Emperor's Soul, which might tie into uh-huh. other books. Like they, that character might pop up later, such and such might happen, but like, it's still a really entertaining read. And that's still like, I could I could recommend Emperor's Soul to literally anyone who might not know anything about the Cosmere and still like be confident that they'll have a good time. So I think he'll still put out books like that. At least I hope he does. And the secret projects kind of seem like stuff like they might be along that vein. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, so I, I I think I hope he still will will put out smaller scale books that are easier to recommend. The other thing is, I just think that he really wants like a interconnected crazy you know cool thing like this to exist and it kind of right now it doesn't and so i think he he wants it to exist so he's going to write it and (laughs) he knows that he'll be able to be successful like it might lower his success a little bit you know what i mean but like i think he's just i think he's going to go for it he already probably has enough money that he needs for the rest of his life so he knows he can live like a good life no matter what and so he's going to create what like his inner artist is coming out and that's what his artist wants to do. I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't really meant as like a criticism of what he's doing at all. It's just kind Mm -hmm. of like an observation. I mean, obviously it's a lot more fun to talk about like these and, and like theorize about the interconnectedness of these books. Um, But like, I mean, you know, every time a Marvel, a new Marvel movie comes out, like I don't, I don't really see them anymore. If like a good movie comes out, then I'll like look up online. I'm like, okay, what do I need to know before I go see this movie? Um, But I mean, I I think it's a preference thing to some degree. Like you can read Era 2 and you're not going to, if you, if you haven't read his other stuff, you're not going to pick up on all the details, but you'll still have an enjoyable story. And then you'll know that, okay, these things are important. And I know other people are jumping off the couch and pointing at them when they come up. And maybe that's like some impetus to say, I want to read the rest of this stuff so I can understand what's going on here. What I think you really have to be careful of is kind of the the trap that Marvel Comics fell into, which was just trying to get you to read other comic series um, by having the tie-ins you know what i mean like they would just force tie-ins where they probably did need to be so that then you'd be like uh-huh. oh now i need to go read this run of comics you know i feel like that is what i would not want to have happen but i don't think sanderson's going to do that i don't think he's just gonna be like oh here's a random character and you really need to know the backstory so now you need to go buy five more of my books like i don't see him really doing that you know what i mean it's right. like here's this really interesting character that really adds a lot to the story and if you don't read the other books like he's good enough at doing characters that you can still get what you need to know about the character from that book but like mm-hmm. it would you know for the fans out there it's going to be fun anyway that's that's my thoughts about it i think he'll do it well. he said when he turned in the third mistborn book hera one the conclusion to that trilogy tom doherty who runs tour was like brandon what are you doing you're ending things like you know this Mistborn stuff, like this is really successful for you. You should just write 20 more of these. And at that point, Brandon wanted to do the trilogy of trilogies, which has since expanded. But so he kind of took a risk and he was like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to skip forward. And now they're going to have guns. 
and it's still Mistborn, but it's different. And there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't really many people that are doing that. He always likes to say Iron Man came out around the same time and that really helped him out because the conventional wisdom used to be that people did not like this. They liked more episodic things and they didn't have the attention or didn't care about the details of a big continuous interconnected thing. But now, I mean, the conventional wisdom is everyone likes the crossovers and they love the Marvel movies for like, okay, which characters are going to pop in? How's it all going to connect? Yeah. And you get like rings of power being trash or like people might not tune into it because it's not like a direct tie into the Jackson films. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. So um, getting back to the convention a little bit, are there any, um, are there any projects that Brandon's working on that really excited you or maybe anybody at dragon steel? Yeah. So he announced, uh, I mean, he didn't have any like big new announcements he just reiterated that him and dan wells are going to be writing some co-authoring some things and and dan works for him now um they're going to start with the dark one book which is a graphic novel right now but they're gonna write it into a novelized form and then in the future him and dan will be co-authoring some cosmere things which i assume will be more side things maybe stuff like warbreaker or launcher sequel type of stuff but um, I mean, the thing I'm most excited for that Sanders is working on is obviously Stormlight 5, which he wants to finish by January 1st, 2024. So it's ready for release in November of 2024 for Dragon Steel Con 2024, which I hope you guys can make it to. Because, man, you said, like, if Stephen, this... you, you sound a bit like Trump right now when he announced he was running for president. He's like, got that's big things coming in 2024. 2024. <laughs> Oh no! Shoot. Okay, you realize that's going to be two weeks after the it's gonna election. Be, it's going to be the same time as the election. Yeah, like two, three weeks after. Which wasn't oh Rhythm of War released in 2020? <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. because it was during COVID, so the release was all virtual. So it was like kind of. So uh-huh. it's like on the election presidential cycle. cycle. Yeah, presidential election yeah. cycle. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, maybe don't make plans for Dragon Silicon 2024 because who knows the world may not be standing after that election. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, okay. All right. Well, um, not we'll to get try. too political, but I, I think everyone understands that that's a hot button topic. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is a hard time uh, to travel because it's like, let's see, in that, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I will say I am supposed to have Thanksgiving in Utah. Probably I'm, that's my in-laws Thanksgiving year. My in-laws, in-laws live in Utah. So I will probably be traveling up to Just Utah come for Thanksgiving. Up a little bit early. So Just stay potentially your in-laws for two weeks. Uh, potentially I, I might. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so hard, man. So why Dude, does it have I will, to be right before I will make my place available to you in any way possible to make it work. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, I think we have, two years yeah, we have years to plan yeah. for that. Okay. Um, Okay, two more two more things that I liked from the convention. So one thing was there was a moment in the trivia where everyone was like cheering for their favorite characters from Mistborn Era 2 that I thought was interesting because everyone, you know, they said, okay, cheer if you're, you know, Wax is your favorite character, cheer if Wayne is your favorite character, Marisi, Steris, et cetera. And what do you guys, okay, what, what do you think the- I think Steris is the- What do you think people cheered for? I think it's Steris, man. Mm, uh maybe marisi so steris was by far the loudest cheers yeah marisi and wayne were probably about equal 
There was wax. like a smattering. There, there was there was a few people who bothered to cheer for wax, which I thought was really interesting. I guess not surprising, but interesting. Wax is such an interesting character because he's not like that interesting of a character, if that makes sense. He's an interesting mm-hmm. character because he's not an interesting character. But he, ha- he has like interesting Brandon things said, all to of him. shadows and self, all of shadows of self making you try to care about Wax because of his trauma around Lessie, which on my reread, I actually uh, picked up on a lot more and enjoyed, but still like no one cares about Wax. <laughs> I, I I like wax. I'm okay with them. You would have cheered for him. I don't know that I would have. I wouldn't have really cheered for anybody. I'm not really much of a cheerer. Okay, so here are my thoughts on that, Stephen. One, okay. wax. Okay, this is like the first the character thing, then the like kind of cultural thing. So wax doesn't. He has really bad things happen to him, but he doesn't make any mistakes, and he doesn't like pretty much everything he does is like the correct thing to do. Oh yeah. Right. Um, so I think, which is like a fine character to have, but like, I, I don't think it makes people really um, relate to that character, which leads me into, I think at a convention like dragon steel, where you get like the nerdiest of the nerds again, yeah. this is not a bad thing, but like wax is not a nerd. He's kind of like an alpha, like Chad. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a Chad basically. Yeah, and there weren't very many chads at the convention, which, which is which is fine. Like, but I don't uh-huh. think the Dragon Steel is where you're going to get the Chad cheers, you know. But but Dragon Steel represents Brandon's reader base, right? So well, no, I think it represents a very specific niche of Sanderson's. So you think there base. are chads that read Sanderson? Yeah, man, I think there's chads that read Sanderson. Okay, working out at the gym, listening to. Say again the sacred oaths. Yeah, bench <laughs> <that's> pressing. <laughs> but Honor is dead, I will get I <laughs> I'll see you in hell, Sadius. <laughs> Journey before destination, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, sure, there's like there's like Chad lines. Like, okay, I'll give you that. But I feel like most of Sanderson's to be clear, I don't think base, I don't think see in hell Sadius is a line I just but yeah no journey for before destination bastard is probably one of the best lines of the whole Cosmere, yeah. if not the best. But it's a, anyway. it's a good line. It's a yeah. great line. S tier line. Um anyway, I think I think you're onto something, Josh, but I think most of Sanderson's reader base is more of like the Steris side of things that connects more with characters who are vulnerable about um you know struggles that they have or i don't know all, all kinds of yeah. like I, I mean everyone connects with sanderson because like all everyone in stormlight is broken in different ways or has um emotional things or physical things or like there's there's someone to connect to in all of his books and i think that's why everyone loves it so much and i, I agree know, but like, some people the, connect to the alpha the alpha guy yeah yeah so i guess that's why Wax I'm, I'm just yeah i'm just saying like I think that there that there's a lot of those type of people out there that do like Sanderson. Yeah. And millions and millions of people buy these books. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it just made me think like, so another thing uh, connected to this was this really made me inspired to start writing, like actually do it. And so I, yeah, man, right now I, right now I have a lot of momentum. I need to capitalize on this before I lose it. So I really need to start. But as I was thinking about how I want to go about writing, I was thinking, well, I need to have more like stereotype characters who are, who've got issues and are like understanding of them and, um, and vulnerable about them. 
And I think that's like, is that what the fantasy book population connects to more? I guess you probably need all kinds of characters, but people were cheering for Steris. They weren't cheering for Wax. That's my point. That's your character work is definitely one aspect of what people connect to the story. The Sander Lanch is uh, another aspect. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess I'm going to plug right there. So we don't do a whole lot of things with our, with our uh, Patreon. um, And we don't plug it all that often. Thank you for those that do subscribe, but I've been doing the national uh, writing month, uh, national novel writing month thing. And so I've been posting my, as I go um, to, to the Patreon. Um, So if you are a member of our Patreon, you can go check that out. Now I'm not planning on having this published at all. This is kind of just like a writing exercise that I've been enjoying doing. Um, but I have been turning out, like, I think I'm about at 15, 16,000 words, about like 50, 1.5 inch lines. Nice. Pages in. So like, um, there's an incentive for you. I'll probably, I might make it public to like everybody on discord, but I've been having fun doing that. So yeah. It's when does the next, really uh, fun, when does the next bundle of uh, chapters come out oh, or I've been adding to that same, uh, oh, okay. Same so I have more, I have more to read. I need to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Nice. I okay. I kind of just write. What I've been doing is like writing like a chapter, um, just like on an individual Word doc and then uh, or Google doc, and then I'll like move it over to like main manuscript. And um, are are you working on this with Mackenzie at all? Yeah, yeah. So Mackenzie, my wife, is uh, working on it with me. We have it. Um, there's like a past portion of the book and like a present portion of the book. She's writing the present but she's not feeling like she really wants to share publicly what she's written so far. Um, and so I, I'm obviously like much more open with this stuff. And I like, you know, I'm kind of just like, here it is, you know, um, I want to get better. So any like, you know, ballot, any, anything people want to throw my way, I'm happy to, I, I'm treating it kind of like a writing group, I guess, you know, where like people, I want to hear people's like thoughts and like kind of what they think could, make it a little bit better. I'm not, again, I'm not like ever looking to get this professionally published at all, you know? So I'm, yeah, I don't have any like idea. For now. Like, For now. No, not ever <laughs> really. Um, okay. Because I've talked about maybe doing a, like a podcast form where we uh, release, like where we record the episode, like yeah. the chapters and release them as like a podcast instead of like an audiobook. So that mm-hmm. might be fun. I could, I, you know, I could cross my fingers that I gain traction that way, but like, I don't ever you know, want to go send it to agents or anything. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah. All right. That's a wrap. Hopefully I didn't offend any of my fellow con attendees by calling you nerds because I was there as well. And I was obviously a nerd too. We're Um, all nerds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is Fantology podcast. Welcome. I don't know why I'm calling other people nerds. That seems strange. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm planning on attending his future cons. I thought it was a blast. I, I really, really can't say enough how much I enjoyed it and thank the team for putting it on. And um, I, I think they're going to get a lot of good feedback. One, one piece of negative feedback was the food options were not very good. They need to improve the food options because it was too cold. It was too cold to walk to the mall and the food around was just like not very good. And there wasn't very much of it. So do they yeah, control that, the food that's served at the con? I don't know. I I, I kind of don't think they do. So yeah. that's probably a whole separate thing. But maybe somehow they could have better food. That's what I would ask for. Maybe get some food trucks or something around. I, yeah, and I think I there, I think there were, maybe. I don't know. I didn't look around a ton. 
Okay, fair enough. All right. See you guys later. See you, Steven. Bye. Peace.